Welcome to Indie Game Business, where you'll learn to navigate the industry with ease. This show is produced by the Powell Group, the leading business consulting firm in the gaming industry. Visit us online at IndieGame.Business to learn about our online digital events. We have some amazing sessions with people in the gaming industry, and you can participate for free and purchase inexpensive passes to our industry-leading business-to-business system. Now, here we go, Indie Game Business. Everybody, and welcome back. Like Dan said, next we've got Quentin. Uh, he's going to be covering Play Like LeBron, but from your couch. And so with that, Quentin, I'll let you introduce yourself and take it away. Thank you very much, Jay. Um, first of all, hi, everybody. Uh, thank you for attending my talk today. Uh, I cannot actually see you, but um, I'm going to pretend that you're going to follow and be really interested. Uh, but for those of you who want to take a nap, maybe that's the right moment. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm Quentin and I'm working in a small um, video game studio based in France and Canada, which is Zero One. And uh, we are specialized in casual puzzle, but also sports simulation mobile games, uh, which is kind of what we're going to talk about today. Um, my main goal is to kind of uh, try to talk about fun and realism in sports games and how we can achieve that balance in, in, in on mobile, especially. Uh, or as the, the title says, play it like LeBron, but from your coach. <laughs> um, and so with that, I'd like to start with a kind of, uh, you know, a personal story here um, and start with uh, talking about the, the 2002 FIFA World Cup game, actually. Um, and so this game was actually the first PlayStation uh, game that we got with my little brother um, back uh, like a long time ago now. Um, and basically in that game, it was kind of a very simple version of FIFA where you could just play the World Cup. So you would pick a national team and, you know, play, play the tournament. Um, and when playing, I would, you know, always pick Team France because I'm French, if you cannot tell from my accent. Um, and with Team France, I would uh, basically win most of my games. And I don't know, I played the, you know, the World Cup maybe 20 times, and I'm not sure I even uh, lose just once. And not to say that I was good, you know, not at all. I'm not really good at FIFA. Um, but just to say that actually Team France in that game was incredibly good uh, most players was, were really really great um you know elite, elite players and and such and so it was like great feeling for me to 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 play that team and we lot of and we uh, win a lot of game but um that sounded a bit strange because um you probably don't know that but in 2002 uh, team friends during that world cup you know the real world cup um that was probably the, the you know biggest humiliation for france since the battle of waterloo something like that 
Um, Team France played three games and didn't win one of them at all. Uh, so it was really, really a bad year. And even as a kid, I, I wondered, you know, um, okay, is it really a realistic game or is it really realistic, actually? Um, because obviously, as a kid, I was able to, you know, win a lot of these games and that felt great. But at the same time, that's really not what happened in reality. In reality, the team was really bad <laughs> and lost badly, right? Um, and that's kind of, um, to me, a good example of, um, you know, that kind of question, that balance between, okay, what is realistic and what is not? And uh, why do we do certain things in games to make them more fun, but less realistic? Um, if you actually want another example of um, unrealistic thing in that, in that game, uh, on the screenshot, you can see that Team USA in, is winning 4-1 to one against France, which, of course, is kind of not very realistic. <laughs> Just kidding, of course. Um, but yeah, to me, that, that was really kind of the start of that quest for fun versus realism in sports games. Um, but let me start with really um, what I think is a very important notion, which is most sports games are realistic. Um, I would even say that they are kind of the ultimate expression of playing in the sense that um, if you consider that playing is a way to experience the world, you know, and appropriate yourself, what you are living, uh, to imagining new experiences, um, that's kind of you know, the best way to see sports games, right? Um, because they are, they are that almost uniquely close to reality with Jara, um, in the fact that they are really based on reality. Um, you know, if I play FIFA, for example, I'm able to play the same game that is going on on TV, for example, at the same time with the same players in the same location, if I may say. Uh, a lot of these things are going to follow the same rules. And even though you have plenty of other games or even some genre that are, you know, trying to be a bit realistic, uh, they generally don't have that close to reality feeling. Um, you know, if I play, I don't know, Star Citizen or Mass Effect, uh, if I'm not familiar with sci-fi tropes, you know, like spaceships, aliens, last guns, and so on, um, that might seem, you know, a bit strange, probably unfamiliar. Um, and on the other hand, if I, you know, give a gamepad to my dad uh, to play FIFA, he's going to, you know, understand a lot of it. Uh, even though he has never played it, <laughs> um, probably, you know, he would understand, okay, it's a pitch, you have two teams and they're going to face each other uh, with rules that you're probably mostly familiar with. And in a sense, you know, every sports game is um, it's kind of a fantasy world, okay? It's not the Lord of the Rings world, but still it's, um, you know, it's a fantasy that sports game players are living okay uh, if i'm playing nba 2k it's because i want to live in a fantasy where i'm a basketball player or maybe i'm managing a basketball team and these worlds are very easy to get once again because they are close to reality um you know once again if i play mass effect um, if you're not into sci-fi, that might be a bit difficult to understand how the universe works and, and how, you know, how characters are working and, and, and you know, interacting with each other. Um, because sports games are based on reality, a lot of it is very familiar, which makes it 
you know, very accessible, uh, in a sense, family friendly as well. Um, and to me, that really speaks to the popularity of that genre. Um, I also think that it's one of the reasons why so many games in the early days of video games uh, were actually sports games, because it was very easy to, you know, um, to communicate to players what are the rules, okay? Um, if you're and playing, um, I don't know, like The Witcher, for example, a lot of things uh, have to be explained. And if I give you a soccer game, instantly, I don't even have to explain to you the rules because you probably know them, or you can at least expect your players to know them. And honestly, these days, realism in video game is really insane. <laughs> the level of realism, if I may say, is, is really, really great. Um, that screenshot, for example, on a screen is from a game that is called Out of the Park. Okay, It's a baseball uh, management game. Um, and this kind of game, which is almost a, an entire subgenre, um, you can do stuff like managing the payroll of your team or the contract. Uh, you can, you know, hire new people uh, beside players and organize, you know, organize your lineup because it's a baseball game. Um, you can really, really uh, go deep in the simulation to a level that feels really insane and sometimes that looks more like a, you know, an Excel spreadsheet than a video game. But still, you know, that's a very deep level of, of realism. Um, if you're playing NBA 2K, you can actually buy shoes uh, and you can also like, customize them. Um, not to say, you know, shoes and, and everything around is really a big part of basketball culture, but probably if you are building, you know, um, a basketball game, being able to buy or customize shoes is probably not the, the first feature that you are going to think of, right? Um, uh, definitely, like, if you play an old version of FIFA, probably you don't expect to be able to customize the shoes of your players. Um, one of the things that you can do these days, even though you might, you know, not think it's a great idea, but if you're playing uh, NBA 2K, you can buy a certain brand of energy drink. Um, and once again, even though you might think that it's not very nice to have commercial and, and ads in the in game that you paid, um, thing is for some people, when they see, you know, their favorite basketball player, for example, on TV, drink, uh, a certain brand of energy drink, um, they kind of feel, you know, not necessarily happy, but comfortable with the idea that they can do the same in the game. To them, that adds an, an extra layer of, of realism, and maybe for them that does value, you know. Uh, and just to say that if you can go into really that level of realism, that speaks to the fact that today's games are really crazy, <laughs> crazy realistic. Um, and in some cases, it's even used by front offices, like, you know, semi-professional and professional teams. Um, so the game on a screenshot of the, of, of the park was used during the pandemics by some baseball team, um, you know, to train their staff, or at least some of their staff, um, and try to explain to them, you know, certain traps and certain strategies and, and try different things. Uh, while they could, you know, not try actual strategies with real players because nobody could play baseball. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you can imagine that if it's good enough for professional or realistic enough for professional, it means that it must be like kind of very realistic, right? Um, and actually today, realism is really a selling point for all these games, um, you know, being able to say, hey, 
uh, my game is more realistic than, than, than yours, for example. That can be a, a selling point. Uh, the fact that you are, you know, uh, in FIFA, for example, you have the real players um, with the real teams and the real location. And for a lot of people, that that is value, okay? And certainly for, for, for EA, that's a big selling point, okay, compared to the competition. Um, not to say that you cannot do a game without it, but just to say that people expect a certain level of realism. And if you can provide that to them, generally that's considered to be, you know, added value. Um, but that's kind of where I say, okay, are, are, are they really that realistic? Okay, I spent some <laughs> a bit of time trying to prove to you that they are very realistic. I'm not going to try to to do the, the opposite thing. Um, let me give you a very simple example. And if you have played um, a sport game in your life, probably it's going to speak to you. Um, in a real football game, uh, generates like the regular time is 90 minutes long. And you're going to see a number of goals between, you know, maybe one, two, three, four goals, if you have a lot of offense, uh, something around that on average. Okay. Um, if you play FIFA and play an actual 90 minute game, you're going to see a lot more goals than that, okay? I don't know how many, depends on how good or bad you are, uh, but probably more than four or five or six, right? Um, and so here you have already two things that are really not realistic in that very simple example. Um, first, most FIFA games are not going to be 90 minutes long, of course. Like, I mean, you probably don't want to spend 90 minutes on a single game, uh, even if you're playing with a friend. Um, so generally, they are like four, six, or eight minutes long, uh, which is definitely not what happens in reality. So in a sense, you could say, hey, that's not realistic, right? Um, and the other thing is, is the scoring. If in a four-minute game, you have the same kind of scoring as you have in 90 minutes, a real football game, it means that, you know, the entire balance of scoring or offense is completely messed up. Okay. So with this very simple example, you have two fundamental things that are really not realistic. Not to say that they are bad things. Okay. Um, you don't want to play 90 minute long FIFA game, probably, even though you have the option. And you probably don't want to play this short game just to see no, no goal at all. Right, um, so it's a question of pace and and fun in the end, and that's why I I kind of ask the question: Okay, are they really that realistic, and do they need to be crazy realistic, right? Um, and so to kind of prove that point a, a bit further, uh, I took a look at <laughs> a very old review. Um, so it's FIFA '97 on on Super Favicom, and at that time, um, one review from Gamespot said, okay. So FIFA Soccer 97 delivers the kind of fluid, realistic action that has become a hallmark of eSports titles. And I mean, even if you forget about the graphics that you can see on the screenshot, um, probably if you play it today, um, you would not consider it to be realistic or, or even maybe fun, you know. Uh, probably the mechanics are a bit outdated. I remember even at the time when I played it as a kid, um, the, the, the kicking mechanics were kind of really strange to me. Um, so probably it was super realistic at that time. It was probably the most realistic game that, that you could have uh, in terms of, you know, as a football game. But uh, definitely by today's standard and probably by objective standard, uh, when compared to real football, that's not really realistic. 
but okay you can tell me that's a very old game and probably we can find something a bit more recent um so i took a tiny bit more recent which is uh, iss pro evolution soccer i think that's the first one from 2000 and according to ign the character animations were fluid and realistic uh, i played that game as well and i can tell you that probably by you know in 2000 yes definitely it was probably the best that you could find but there is nothing fluid or realistic in these animations <laughs> definitely and it doesn't mean that the, the game wasn't good on the contrary it was a great game but just that say that probably it wasn't that realistic and actually um if you take a look at that screenshot in these games they you know in the in the crowd they had these giant flags and you can see here you have that probably 10 meter wide friends French flag here in the middle of the crowd, and that is really not realistic at all. <laughs> but okay, you can tell me, Quentin, these reviews are from you know old game, and surely more recent games that with the level of realism that they have, they nobody can say they are not realistic, right? Um, so I took a look at the reviews from the latest FIFA on Steam. And, and that got me kind of confused, okay? Um, one player said, okay, the gameplay caters to esports player with no attempt at the realism that carry mode enthusiasts such as myself crave. So here you have one player saying that, okay, on that game, they made no attempt to reach the level of realism that that person, um, you know, is looking for, which is honestly... <laughs> kind of crazy because um, can you like really imagine that when they, they did that game, they said, hey, no, realism is not what we want. On the contrary, again, that's for them, that's a big selling point. Um, and so you can imagine that they are spending a lot of time and effort on that aspect of the game. Um, but okay, that's just one review. And definitely, you know, you always have that one review that is really bad and where you don't really understand what the player is saying. So I, I took a few more. Okay. Um, I like the first one <laughs> because um, it says, okay, players make unrealistically fast movements, um, which, I mean, yes, maybe compared to reality, but I'm not even sure. Um, the other one says, passes from impossible situation arrive perfectly. I'm going to come back to that one because I, th I think it's really interesting. Um, and the, the third one kind of illustrates the, the, you know, the, my point, which is overall not enough realism for me. Um, I kind of like you know, the spirit of that review because the player says, okay, uh, not enough realism, but that's for me. Okay, which is kind of something very interesting here that we're going to come back to a bit later. But to say from that player's perspective, FIFA, which is probably, you know, the most realistic football game there is, is not realistic enough, which says a lot about expectations. Um, I'm, I'm coming back to the second one regarding, you know, passes from impossible situations, um, because what this player says is that the team when they did that game kind of screw up the simulation of passes which is one of the few interaction if i may say that you can have in a football game and you can imagine that if this very simple very primitive interaction has been messed up uh, there is no way the game can be realistic right i mean it's it's something 
which is kind of a foundation of the game. And if something as very basic as that is not realistic, the rest of the game probably is not from that perspective, right? Um, so these are, you know, I took reviews from FIFA, but honestly, you can find some of them uh, in many, in most sports games, I would say. Um, not to say that this game, you know, um, if you take FIFA, the game has really good reviews on Steam, that's for sure. Um, and you can also say, hey, these players, they are not really happy. You always have unhappy players. That's fine. Right. And absolutely. But um, you can see that it's not necessarily that these people just don't like the game, but maybe that there is something missing or something that could be improved. Um, and I want to go a bit beyond that by reading some of the reviews that we had on one of our games, which is Astonishing Basketball. So that's a, a sports management game on mobile. Um, and so you can see that first, that first review is kind of really funny as well. Um, I have one player asking me to add relationship to the franchise player mode or family of some sort, um, which means that this person not only wants to become LeBron James, but also kind of, you know, manage the family of LeBron James or maybe his friends or something like that, which, you know, when, when you start... Um, designing a basketball game is probably not the first thing that comes to your mind. Um, the second one is even maybe more surprising. Um, it says it needs a girlfriend in the game who gives you a boost if you keep her. Um, so apparently that basketball game needs to become a bit more like a dating simulator, which is again, not something that I really expected. And the third one is um, a bit more what you could expect saying, this is ridiculously easy get real and make your game more realistic. Um, right, okay, so according to that player, um, the game is too easy and that makes it less realistic somehow. Um, and it's not to say that, you know, these suggestions of these players are, are wrong. On, on the contrary, I think it, it, it generates some interesting questions. It's just to say that, um, to me, it illustrates difference, a big, big, big difference between what people called realism, as simple as that. Um, because at this point, um, you, are, you have players that apparently want to have a family and a girlfriend and they want to drink energy drinks and maybe they want to, you know, buy cars as well. And, and I'm always wondering, is it, you know, am I doing a basketball game or do they want to play The Sims? Which is a great game, by the way. But um, just saying, you know, really, really, uh, there is that, that big gap between what most people would expect from a sports game and what maybe a few people or a lot of people, you, you cannot be sure, uh, are actually expecting. Um, and to me, as a kind of, you know, as a sports game designer, um, that's where the fantasy breaks. That's where the, the, in, in the player's mind, the story that they are telling themselves about you know managing a team or being a, a, a superstar basketball player that's where it, it, it really um it really breaks okay it's, it's really where they say hey i cannot do that or, or this feature is designed in a way that breaks the immersion in the game and that's really not what you want especially in a sports game where it's really about creating um you know fantasy uh, fantasy version of, of the world in a way. Uh, and that's that's where you fail to do that. Uh, and the issue is that realism is 
not a well-defined world when it comes to um, game design in general and sports games. Uh, different people have different expectations, um, which is honestly not, not a surprise at all or shouldn't be. Uh, because even if you take something as you know, very well-defined and kind of small and narrow as basketball. Uh, if you ask basketball fans, who is the NBA's greatest of all time? Uh, some people are going to say Michael Jordan, and some people are going to say LeBron James. And honestly, you can have arguments for both sides or even for other players if you want. But just to say that if you cannot agree on something that is kind of objective uh, regarding reality, uh, it's going to be very difficult to have people agree on what is realistic in a video game, right? Um, and I also want to add that it's not really about, you know, is it believable versus realistic? Um, to me, it's not necessarily that people don't believe that the game is realistic or, um, or they don't believe in the in the story that is being told. Um, for some people, it is okay. For example, the, the FIFA player who thinks that passes are not realistic, maybe it's breaking the fantasy for them. Maybe they don't believe that it's a football game because of that. Um, but for other players, um, as you've seen in the reviews, it's not that they are kind of missing things or that the current features are, are not um, designed in a realistic way. Uh, it's more that, um, you know, for example, they see their favorite basketball player once again, uh, you know, drinking some kind of, you know, something something that they've seen on TV and they cannot reproduce it in the game. And in these cases, they say, hey, this is, you know, maybe your game is realistic, but it's not realistic enough because I cannot do what my favorite player is doing. Um, which is, in some cases, you can really push the concept very, very far. <laughs> um, and that's when I ask, okay, where is the actual limit? Um, because if I'm, you know, I, we got a lot of players for a basketball game, which looks more like a spreadsheet once again than, a, than FIFA. Um, we have people asking us, okay, I want to be able to buy a car in the game. And when we, we are actually developing that feature, but then the first question that we got was, uh, sh can I drive it? And honestly, if you go the way to say, hey, you can buy a car in the game, why not being able to drive it, right? And I mean, if you if you can drive it, of course, you 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 don't the player doesn't want to just, you know, go around the stadium <laughs> of the team. Probably they, they might want to drive it in a big open world, right? And at this point you have recreated GTA five. <laughs> Or six, uh, but even if you go there, should I be able as a player to you know fly around? I don't know in an airplane or an helicopter. And why can't I even go to space? I mean, yes, why not? Um, you know, it's a game once again. And when you are you know designing that game, that can be a legitimate question that you can ask yourself. Even though once again we are actually talking about a basketball game. So you are very, very far away from the very concept of sports game. But at the same time, um, that's something that some players might expect, right? Um, but of course, as, as I mentioned before, where is the limit? Okay, that's kind of the big question to me when it comes to fun versus realism. Okay, where, where, how far do you push realism in your game to maybe please these players? Um, and so... 
there, I think there are many, many ways to try to fix it. I'm not, I'm fairly confident that you cannot entirely fix the problem simply because, um, once again, if you have a player that is expecting to be able to, you know, not only buy a car, but also drive it in a big open world. And what you are actually developing is a small uh, basketball management mobile game. Uh, probably you want to define a limit and probably you will have players that maybe won't be happy or maybe will be a bit disappointed about it. To me, that's fine. Uh, but the first thing that you really need to do is probably define your audience or audiences. Maybe you have, you probably have several of them, actually. Um, one thing that we found very useful is the gamer motivation model uh, from Quantic Foundry. Of course, a lot of people are using it. Um, but for us, it was really, really an important tool to kind of, um, you know, define the kind of audience that we have. And we realized that even in something as, as narrow as a sports simulation game, we have very different kind of people. Um, you know, it's very easy to imagine that every basketball fan is the same, um, but actually they are really, really not. Um, you know, if you have told me like 10 years ago that basketball fans are really into, uh, you know, the, the creativity uh, aspect of, the, of, the, of that model, I wouldn't have believed you, you know. Um, even the, like the story, you know, the story category where you have people, you know, creating entire characters and stories uh, and basically at this level writing fan fictions um, and we're still talking about basketball game that that might <laughs> that might seem strange for some people um, but that's reality and if you don't actually know your audience you don't know that and you're not going to design for them which is going to be a big miss for your game um, one way you could also kind of do the same to define your audience is to use the personas, um, talking about the interaction design personas, not marketing one. Um, but basically the idea is, is you're going to define some, um, you know, some models for, uh, archetypes of players that you have. So for example, um, in the, in the basketball game, um, you might have, as I mentioned, some people that are really here for the story. Okay. Uh, but you might also have some people, probably most people that are here for the competition aspect, okay? Maybe they just want to play with their friends or with other people online and compete against each other. Um, maybe, you know, for others people, um, that might be more about, okay, I really want a challenge, okay? I really want to uh, prove my basketball skills. Or maybe it can be also, you know, you have people um, who are really into strategies, okay? They really want to spend a lot of time building their roster and managing contracts, um, you know, define the game plans, that kind of stuff, okay? So that's really a different motivation and different kind of players. Um, and you want to know um, what these players are for your game and from that define their expectations, okay? Sign up today for the Indie Game Business Newsletter. It's a weekly source of business news curated for indie dev teams. We've got discounts on all Indie Game Business events and events from all of our partners. You get a first look at the summaries and takeaways from all of our podcasts. There's exclusive opportunities for promotions and early access to new tools for development, monetization, and more. Check it out, sign up, powellgroupconsulting.com slash publisher dash list.
um, not only in terms of okay gameplay and features, but also in terms of realism. <laughs> um, you want to to see okay, do you absolutely need to allow my players to buy cars and drive them around? Uh, if you are just here for the competitive aspect of the game? Probably not, probably you don't care. But um, once again, if you don't define your audiences, you don't know what they expect. And if you don't know what they expect, it, it gets harder to, to design for realism. And once you have these, you know, these audiences, these expectation, um, you can define your limits. Okay, and here that's really uh, um, um, some game design work that you need to do uh, to make sure that okay, I'm I'm fine with people um, you know buying cars for example, but not driving them, and that can be for many reasons. Okay, but you need to be clear about that and why you're doing it. Um, one thing that we found extremely useful uh, with our players is try to explain to them why certain things. Uh, I, I like that. Um, a very concrete example, you know, basketball game, um, the draft. So when, you know, players from college can be selected by professionals, um, in the real world, in the NBA, the draft is taking place after the, the regular season. And in our game, it's taking place during the season. Um, and we got a lot of people complaining um, like they were more or less angry, depending on the player, uh, about that. They were at least, you know, wondering why it was like that. And for all of them, it was something that was not realistic. And in a sense, they're absolutely right. It's not realistic because in reality, it's taking place, um, you know, after the season. Um, so the solution for that uh, was basically to explain to them why we took that decision. Uh, so what we did is that in the you know the help section of the game we have a, a dedicated page saying explaining basically hey the draft is taking place during the season uh, because we think it's more fun and that's basically the explanation but with a bit more details uh, but after that we actually got you know a lot of messages and reviews from, from people saying hey okay i read the help section regarding that um you know, some people are like, okay, that makes sense and that's great and can't you, and I agree, it's more fun. And some people told us, hey, we, I kind of disagree, but that's fine, at least, you know, they want to know that there is a reason behind it. And I think it's important that each time you kind of, you know, break that expectation, um, so each time you do something that is not realistic on purpose, being able to explain it to players is, you know, is a great way to sort of the, the frustration that it can create. Um, and it all comes from, you know, imagining your player's fantasy. Once again, it's a matter of expectation. Every player, especially in sports game, they're going to, you know, create in their head their, that very, very specific fantasy about, you know, being Tony Parker, for example. <laughs> um, and when you understand that, uh, it gets easier to, to kind of design your features around that. Oh, yeah. Um, one thing that um, you really want to, to be careful with as well is a matter of scope. Um, and here it's like applicable to all games, but uh, I think it's even more relevant to, to mobile games. Um, because each time, you know, each time you kind of expand uh, the meta or add meta features, um, you expand the scope of the game. And realistic content is really great for that. Um, I'm going to take the example of the cars once again, but you can have many of them. Um, you know, being able to buy a car, for example, or you know, 
talk with the family or, or have a girlfriend or boyfriend in the game, um, all of these can be defined as meta system. Okay, they can be brand new features in your game, uh, and that that create content for you that makes the game more realistic, at least for some people. Um, so it's almost a win-win, <laughs> um, except that I would say to be careful about monetization because when you are creating a meta system, probably you you know you want to monetize it in some way. Um, but that's where you know. If I say, hey, it's a basketball game, but you can also date someone. Um, it, okay, maybe that's interesting, but that's kind of far-fetched, you know, from the concept of a sports game, okay? Um, probably most of your audience is here for, you know, basketball content. And if you tell them, hey, there is this super nice feature where you can date someone or buy a new car and drive it, uh, that can be interesting, but maybe not for everybody. And you might have to ask the question yourself, okay, do I want to build these specific features for these players, making the game more realistic? But maybe that is not going to interest everybody, right? And if it doesn't interest everybody, it means that probably you're, it's harder to monetize, right? Um, so that's why I say, hey, especially if you're doing a free-to-play game, mobile game, um, you know the scope is very important, and um, you know building a great uh, building a great experience um, and having a great design of of this feature um, when you have a big game uh, can be difficult, right? Um, so you really want to 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 be selective with what you build and why you're building it and how you monetize it. And once again, it all comes back to knowing your audience. Okay, um, maybe your game is actually attracting a lot of narrative style players uh, who likes basketball but they mostly like basketball as a support to tell stories and in that case adding you know the ability to buy cars uh, or date people can be super interesting but maybe you just have an audience of people who are you know super hardcore basketball fans and in that case most of the content that is not related to basketball they're not going to be interested in it and probably you don't want to push too much, you know, too much time, too much content in, in that direction. Um, so basically as kind of, um, you know, as a summary of the, I'm going to say it's a process, but it's not exactly a process. Um, but what I would try to, to suggest to do as a, as a foundation uh, is to first gather feedback and data. Um, if it's a new game, that can be a bit difficult, uh, but even, you know, um, talking to sports fans can be useful. That's one of the appeal of making sports game is that there are a lot of sports fans and even though they might not you know, play video games or, or even mobile games, um, you can still have some insightful conversation about uh, what they would expect in terms of realism, what they would expect in terms of, uh, okay, what can I do in a game or cannot do? Uh, but if, you know, generally if you have a, a mobile game, free to play games, um, you probably have some kind of live ops, okay, and a long life cycle. And in that case, you're probably building a community. So it's way easier in these cases to gather more feedback, uh, you know, talk with your community. You can do surveys, uh, user interviews work, even if you, even if you don't have a, a, you know, an existing game. But basically the idea is that once again, you want to gather data to be able to then do the second step, which is analyzing um, what I would say the player's fantasy. 
but it's really about expectation once again. Okay. Um, whole players are they, you know, hardcore basketball fans caring only about numbers and what the what kind of dunk they they can do in a basketball game, um, or are they like super narrative, you know, uh, players who want a football game where you can also date people? Okay, which is fair enough. Why not? Um, but you also want to really analyze and, and set your own goals. Okay, uh, even if you say I want a crazy realistic game where you can you know, play football, but also drive cars and take people uh, and so on. Um, you want to set yourself, um, what do you want to achieve? You want to really define, okay, what are my goals and why I want to achieve them and how I achieve them. And that's where you kind of starting to transition to the third step, the last step, which is defining what your game is about. Okay. Uh, you have, the, you know, the player's fantasy, you know, your own goals. And you really have to say, okay, my game is about, you know, really hardcore basketball simulation. Or my game is really about living the, you know, living the dream. Being LeBron James, but it's not just on the court, it's off the court. And both games, are, you know, both games can exist, probably. Both games can, can be made and gather to different audiences. Um, but you really have to, you know... Um, to define what your game is about. Otherwise, you're going to have, you might have some problems about players' expectation and realism. And that's it. So thank you very much for, for listening to my talk. And of course, if you have questions, I'm, I'm very happy to, to answer them. Thank you. Thank you, Quentin. So, I mean, from the, starting at like the very base level, mm -hmm. what are some of the ways that, especially indie devs can go about deciding you know, if their game is sitting in the middle, do they want to go more, you know, NBA 2K or do they want to yeah. go more NBA jams? Yeah. Where should they start anyway? Yeah, th that's a great question. Um, in this situation, generally, generally what I would say is try to um, see what works the best. Again, okay, definitely, like even though I like NBA Jam, um, NBA 2K is um, like it has way more players. Okay, and it's not because it's bigger in terms of features because that's the case, but even in terms of you know, um, I think once again because more sports games in the genre are realistic and people expect them to be realistic, going more realistic than less realistic in general, I think it's a better solution. Uh, but then, of course, you also have to consider, you know, the fun factor. Um, if you're not a fan of NBA 2K and you prefer NBA Jam, uh, I think it's going to, you know, it still has an audience, right? Uh, and in that case, I think it can make sense to go into that direction. Uh, you can also, you know, um, it's not like you can you have to go black or white, but you can definitely go into the middle, uh, trying to do something very realistic, but at the same time a bit fun as well. Uh, to me, the game uh, Super Me Mega Baseball, for example, is, is very nice for that because it's, to me, the gameplay is very realistic, but at the same time, kind of, um, you know, the spirit is a bit cartoonish, uh, which is, to me, a very great balance between fun and realism. All right, so you talked a good deal about FIFA, so I have a FIFA <laughs> question for you. Okay. Here. Next year, there's no FIFA. Next year, it's EA Sports football whatever yeah do you think that franchise has outgrown 
FIFA, or do you think it's going to struggle now because that stamp of approval, that license isn't on the game anymore? That's a, that's a very great question. Uh, I will expect, like, you know, we're dealing with probabilities here, um, but I will expect to have some long-term effects, basically, uh, because that's still a stamp of approval, as you said. Uh, I still think that's the way for people to recognize what the game is. Uh, even though it's FIFA, I'm not sure that you can have a game that is big enough uh, that you can say, hey, everybody is aware of this game. And, and there is no way you can, you know, meet someone who has never played FIFA. It's not the case. So I think that kind of, you know, official uh, stamp saying, hey, this is the official license game. I think it's uh, it's an important thing on the, uh, you know, in the long run. In the short run, I mean, FIFA players of today, they're still going to play FIFA next year and, and probably in three years and in five years. But if you take, you know, 10 years down the road, um, maybe you might see some some effect of that. So the reason I ask is, yeah. and I don't know if EA has gone and got like whatever the equivalent player association, mm -hmm. are there going to be, are the actual players going to be in the game, which is not going to be FIFA's. Mm -hmm. The minute, you know, NCAA football, I mean, American football, not, yeah. not the rest of the world football. Yeah. The minute they started getting court cases and lawsuits about mm -hmm. using player likenesses in there, that entire franchise was pulled immediately yeah. dead. And it was a multi-million dollar seller every single year. Yeah. And so I don't, I'm wondering if the same thing is going to happen or have they gone and got the official license to, uh, you know, Madrid Real yeah. and, and everybody. Yeah, that's a good question. But, um, you know, pro-evolution soccer for many, many years, um, like first, I think they started without license uh, using fake names and so on. Uh, obviously, the game was like uh, less realistic in terms of graphics than today. So you couldn't do that today. Um, but even like pro-evolution soccer, um, uh, they did negotiate with some leagues or some teams at least. So they did include some official names and logos and so on. So I would assume um, if EA wants to go that, that road, um, they could. Probably they wouldn't have as much content, official content as today with FIFA, but still you could probably manage to have some of them. And then these days with, you know, all the, all the, the user generated content and the community content and mods and so on, it's actually very easy to um, you know, even if you do a game with no license at all, no license content, uh, someone in the community probably has created the equivalent with license logo and so on. So not to say it's a perfect solution, um, but I'm not always sure it's that big of a problem um, at that scale. So how feasible is it to put almost like a slider system in the game to have more realism versus more arcade does that actually work to help strike a balance or is that just something that basically breaks both ends of the spectrum Th that's a good question um if you take nba 2k for example um you can go very deep in how you configure the whole gameplay okay so if we're talking core gameplay probably you can go into that direction uh, but you have to be, you know, very careful with the fact that most of your players are going to use the default options. Uh, and even if you tell them, hey, there is an option for that, 
um, you know, you can go very deep in, in, in sports, even if it's just to, for to manage games. And so I would say if you start to have screens with, I don't know, 50 options, uh, even though some players might be okay to change it, probably most of them are not going to appreciate that. And then um, even if you, you know, add realistic content uh, beyond that, if you say, okay, I want to allow my players to buy shoes, for example, or cars. Um, that's probably not something that you want to hide behind an option, right? Because it's something that is probably going to be a huge feature, or at least, you know, um, a feature that's, that is going to take a lot of time to develop. So you want to probably engage as much players as possible with that feature and not, you know, being able to, to disable it. So I, I would say when it comes to core gameplay, yes, you can, I a lot of stuff in option and a lot of games do these days and that's great. But if it's really a big feature, uh, probably you cannot go down that road. So, I mean, and that brings up a good point with the whole, because I know I've played these games and they have like the build your own apartment or your house. And, and it just seems like it's completely tacked on and it's utterly pointless. And it's one of those that, yeah, if you're going to give me a car, I better be able to drive it sort of thing. Otherwise, just no. don't. What are some of the practical ways that smaller teams that don't have access to big, you know, yeah, play testing centers yeah. and all this other stuff? What are some of the, those practical ways that they can disseminate between, okay, this is an actual feature that a good amount of our audience wants oh. versus here's one that the very vocal minority wants. Yeah. Um, that's a very, you know, that's, that's kind of the question that we ask ourselves every day, I would say. Um, because as you said, um, a lot of players are going to be very vocal about um, what they want. Uh, like for, I don't know, the, the girlfriend example, uh, I probably get that one once a month, okay? But yeah, no, that for real. And uh, that's not even the most extreme example. Uh, but even like one person a month, uh, that's still feedback, but that's not a lot of people. You know, maybe that person is the only person every month who actually want that feature. Um, so I think it's really a matter of, um, that's where to me the, the community is really useful. Uh, if someone you know comes to me and asks me, hey, okay, um, I want a girlfriend in the game. Um, there I can go to my community and say, hey, okay, what do you think of that? And you obviously don't want to just ask, hey, do you want a girlfriend in the game? Because then everybody is going to say yes, or not, maybe not everybody, but a lot of people. Um, uh, but probably you want to, you know, kind of rank your priorities, especially if you are a small team. Okay, we are a small team. Um, it's very difficult to say, hey, okay, do we add, you know, girlfriend? Do we add cars? Uh, do we actually add basketball content? <laughs> uh, and that's where talking with our community has been very helpful. And you can do that even in the development process, I would say, you know, just uh, probably you have many ideas of things that you want to add. And, you know, um, we do actually ask our players sometimes, here are maybe like five or six or seven features that we are, you know, not big priority feature, but things that people have asked us or things that we think we could be interesting. And what do you think of them? And we ask them to vote. And not to say we, you know, we just use their votes as the, the ultimate um, 
decision, but that helps us to to really understand, okay, what does the community want uh, versus what we think they want. Of course, in that case, you're biased by your community, um, which can be a problem. But um, then if you want to go beyond that, uh, I'm not sure you can really do it with a new game. Uh, if you have a live game, especially if it's a mobile game and you can you know update it regularly, in that case, having data is really useful. Um, we do have some people who ask, you know, specific realistic features in the game uh, to be added to parts of the game that were not played a lot because we had the data. In that case, I said, okay, maybe they are very vocal about that, but it's not generating extra engagement. And in that case, probably not worth, you know, expanding that scope, for, at least for now. Okay, so you opened the door, and now I have to ask if the girlfriend is not the most extreme example that you get. What is it? Okay, so um, I actually got a feedback from when I was preparing the talk last week, um, and so I had this this person, this player, who said, "Hey, I love the game, but uh, I think it's not realistic uh, because I I want a, I want a wife." And with the wife, I want to have kids, but I want to manage the kids as well. Uh, so I want to be able to, you know, send them to a certain university or I want to become their own personal coach. So they develop as well and they grow up and then I can play as my son or, as my, or my daughter. I can play as my kids and continue the cycle that way. And the player specifically reference um, um, a life simulation game on mobile saying that's kind of what i want you to do and and to me that was like you know again or, or, or that basketball game is really like for stats notes i would say it's really a lot of numbers and statistics to crunch and saying that you want um, you know basically the sims but kind of with a basketball dlc um that was really the expectation but that's not the direction where we want to go uh, even though we go into that direction sometimes, um, in that case, that was, you know, really something that uh, is maybe too realistic. <laughs> At least for us, you know. That That is some very detailed simulation management at that point. All right. Yeah. So, I mean, you all being a small team, I mean, you, you're facing a lot of the same issues that a lot of the other indies face. Mm. What tools do you use to gather the feedback, the analytics in the game, to see what is actually being used versus what people are just like talking about that they want to do? That's a, that's a very good question. Um, first of all, I would say a lot of, you know, not just game developers, but a lot of companies are saying we are data driven. That's not something that I say, but we do use data a lot and we rely more on data than uh, I would say or on instinct or what the community is saying. Um, so I'm not going to, 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 to give any specific tool, but there are many free analytics tools that you can use on mobile. Uh, we use several of them. The idea is to really share engagement numbers. Uh, you really want to know where your players are spending most of their time. Uh, if you are doing a free-to-play games, monetization is also a very important part. So you want to know where people are spending their money. Um, and what we generally see is that, um, you know, even though people in the community, for example, or in the reviews are talking about a lot about a certain feature, uh, maybe when you check the actual number, that's 
that's not exactly where they are spending most of the time. Um, so what I would suggest to do is to really define some, basically some key metrics and really stick to them um, and analyze them very regularly. Um, you know, I work in a lot of companies where we say, hey, we're data driven, but we, we take a look at the statistic maybe once a month and then we dismiss them during a meeting because of some gut feeling, you know. Uh, <laughs> we try to not go into that direction um, because of bias, because we know the community is biased as well. Um, so what we try to do is come with questions, specific question, and then we use data to, to kind of try to find the, the answer. And the data is not the perfect answer or the ultimate answer, it's just part of the process. Um, to kind of, you know, improve the decision-making process. So we kind of, we try to combine what we, you know, think as game designers and game developers, what the community is saying and what the data are saying. Trying to, you know, uh, identify what people actually want or at least, you know, where people are actually spending time and money. And probably that's where you want to invest your energy as well. Uh, so how to, often do yeah. you all sit down and go through that data? Uh, honestly, pretty much every day. Uh, but then if uh, we do a kind of big analytics summary every week for every or four game uh, to make sure that, you know, um, review all the main indicators that we have, uh, especially in terms of, again, engagement and monetization and so on. Um, because one thing that we, we found, um, because we have a lot of these different sports game uh, and we update them very, very regularly. Um, not just, you know, live ops content, but also new features and so on. Uh, and what we realized that it's very easy, very hard, sorry, uh, to actually move most of these engagement metrics. Uh, once you have a game increasing retention day one, for example, um, with a feature or a new game mode or anything like that is going to be very hard except if it's a feature that is really designed for that. And so in that sense, it's super easy to, you know, if it's a basketball game, it's super nice to add new features to it, you know, new statistics and, and, and girlfriend and cars and so on. Uh, but what we, what we realize is that most of the time it doesn't move any metric. And, and people are very happy about it. And you, you can see it in the reviews and the community and so on. And even if it's a, a you know, feature that the community asked for, um, what we realized is that, yeah, most of the time it didn't change anything. People are, are happy, but they're not playing more. And, and I think that's very easy to, to go into that direction and get stuck. And if you are a small team, that's not where you want to go. Uh, you want to make sure that the work that you are doing is actually meaningful. Uh, and if you cannot see in the data, my general insight is to say, probably it's, it doesn't exist. <laughs> so when you're putting that much attention on a single game, mm. it's like how many games can you actively manage in live ops like that at a given time? Not many, uh, honestly, not many. Uh, that's why most of the live, live ops that we do is on the basketball game. Um, we do it a bit on the baseball game as well, but that's kind of the limit. Then it also depends on the team as well. Um, but one thing that is really great with sports game, if most, more or less every sports game is that um, you can really tie it to real world events. 
it's really seasonal so even though even if you don't have a license or anything um there are because there are things that are happening in the real world you can use them as you know almost marketing bits or, or live ops operation um in your game and that that makes certain things easier but again like with a small team even if you are very pragmatic and practical uh, that can be difficult to manage so many games uh, i will expect most small teams uh, especially on mobile to not manage as much games as we have <laughs> to be honest and that I, generally i really recommend to focus where where you know on, on wow two games especially if they are live games um in all case, that's what allowed us to gather some some experience with sports games, and we have a better sense of what is working and what is not working these days. Um, but one good thing with sports games is that once you have done a basketball game, doing a football game is easier as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome, Quentin. Really appreciate you coming on, sharing all of this. Keep up the good work, and you know, try to stay ahead of all that data. Yeah. <laughs> Indy is coming up <laughs> just you. in a moment or so as soon as we shut down this stage. And the next up is, wait, lost my sheet. Communicating science through play. All right. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to Indie Game Business. You can learn more about the show and our online business networking events at indiegame.business.